Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Mark chapter 8, we'll continue our studies in the gospel according to Mark. So let's bow our hearts before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you once again that we get to open up your word. We pray for understanding. We pray uh, that we don't just be hearers of your words, but you'll help us to be doers. Help us by the power of your spirit to apply your word to our lives. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and the fresh filling of your spirit. And Lord, we pray for all of your servants on this campus tonight, that you use your servants in the mighty way. And that you'll help us all to serve, not just in your power, but in your love and in your joy, all for your glory, Father. We pray for every person in this building, Lord, every learner on this campus, that you'll just fill us with your word, Lord. That you'll equip us for what you'll have us to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So, again, we're in Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 34 through 38. And the title of tonight's lesson is Losing to Win. Losing to Win. Now, there's so many of us on this campus and many of us in this room tonight, many people who are viewing and and worshiping with us online, who are so competitive, so competitive. You know, my wife and I and two of my boys, we went to visit my son in Tucson, and we bought some games, but we were only stuck on one game, and we were trying so hard to beat each other, so competitive. Those Logan people, pray for those Logan folks. They, they're competitive. We love to win, and many of you love to win at whatever you're doing, and we're used to trying our best to either get on top or stay on top in order to gain the victory. And of course, those games are fun, but winning is more fun. It's way more fun when you win. But but what if someone told you that you had to lose in order to win? What if somebody told you that? And I pose that question to you because this is basically or essentially what Jesus will tell the crowd and his disciple in tonight's study. He's basically going to tell them that they have to lose to win. And so in context, we're going to be talking about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. The same Jesus we talked about last week when we had our lesson basically on who is Jesus It's pretty much a a Christology lesson, branch of theology all about Jesus, who he is and his works. So now we're talking about being a disciple of that same powerful Jesus. In verse 34 of Mark 8, it says, when he, speaking of Jesus, had called the people to himself along with his disciples, He said to them, whoever desires to come after me or follow me as my disciple, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, after take up his cross, after that phrase there in in Luke 9, 23, it actually says daily. So take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, notice that in that first verse there in, in verse 34, Jesus is talking to other people. He's talking to the crowd along with his current disciples or followers. And there are people in this group who have made up their minds about who Jesus is and, and their desire to follow him. There were also, I could imagine, some people in the crowd who were on the fence about whether to follow Jesus or not to follow him. could also imagine that there were some people in this large group who were just interested in the miracles. They were just interested in seeing something extraordinary from Jesus. Now, we venture or suggest that there are even some people here tonight or maybe who, who was viewing the lesson online who are saved but have not been good followers of Christ. But yet and still, they want to be a better follower of Jesus. Could imagine that there's some people in this room like that. Some people viewing the service online with that type of mindset. Believers, not so good followers, but you have this desire to do better. You have a desire to be a better disciple of Christ. Then there's some of us here who are already doing well in our walk. You're doing pretty well. You made some progress. But you would still benefit from a reminder, and we all would. We all benefit from reminders about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there are some who are listening or will listen to the audio later, perhaps, who are not believers, but are curious about what's involved in being a Jesus follower. So to all of those groups that I mentioned a few seconds ago, you'll find that what Jesus said is applicable to you. It's applicable to me as well. And what we can do is use Jesus' words in Mark 8.34 to get a description of a true disciple. And first of all, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a pupil, a student, in other words, or a follower. That's what a disciple is. So let's look at the words of Jesus in greater detail. Let's take a magnifying glass metaphorically and, and tear this verse apart and, and see what a disciple is, what a true disciple of Jesus is. And the first thing I want to point out to you is that it is implied that disciples are true believers. It's implied that disciples, the followers of Jesus, are true believers, people who've repented, turned from their sins, put their faith in Christ. True believers. 
In fact, John 10 verse 27 says this. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know my sheep. I know the true believers. And guess what? They follow me. The true believers, his sheep follow him. His disciples. Another thing I want to point out based on Jesus' words is, is that true disciples have a desire to follow Jesus. Many people claim to have put their faith in Christ. Many people claim to be Christians, claim to be saved. But the question is, do you have a desire, the want to follow Jesus? But something else that's pointed out in that verse in in Mark 8, 34, is that disciples or Jesus' followers, his students deny themselves. Deny themselves. And to deny means to forget one's self. It means to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. So in other words, you, you give up your own way. That is denying yourself. It's not just saying, I'm going to stop eating hamburgers for a week. I'm, I'm just going to stop saying certain words for a week. I'm going to stop looking at this on television for a day or two. It's not, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about firing yourself as the boss of your life. And that's a question I want to ask each and every one of us tonight. Have we fired ourselves as the boss of our lives. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you just so we can take the guessing out of it. We're terrible bosses of ourselves. And so you don't have to think about what kind of boss you were for your own life. We were all terrible. We need a new boss. We need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A follower of him. Because he is the best boss that we can have. So fire ourselves deny ourselves and then of course true disciples of Jesus Christ take up their cross and the cross to them in their minds they knew exactly what he was saying it it means death the cross speaks of dying and so yes we're to die to ourselves practically In our everyday lives as believers, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to put to death ourselves on a daily basis. Positionally, in Christ Jesus, the old man, the old us have already died. Positionally. But now we need to work it out practically. We need to live it out. The process of sanctification and and we need to die to ourselves practically. Die to our will. Die to our own way. Die to ourselves being the boss of our own lives every day. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says this. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Speaking of the cross once again. Crucified the flesh with its passions, with its selfish feelings and desires. Have we done that? Have we crucified the flesh? Have we crucified the sin nature? Are we giving in to it? 
Are we still behaving as if the sin nature is our boss? Are we still acting like the old us who was dominated by sin? Are we still acting like that same person is living? We still acting like the old us? Are we living like the new creation we are in Christ Jesus? Because when we became born again, our spirit was now made alive. We have now a connection to God the Father. We have a relationship with him. Our spirit was quickened in the born again process. When we repented and said yes to Jesus, put our faith, put our trust in Christ. And guess what? We received the new nature, not from Adam. That's what we're born with. We're born with the old nature from Adam, that sin nature that has a proclivity or a lean towards sin and pleasing ourselves. But now we have a new nature. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And now we have a desire to live for him. Now we have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to to live for him. We have the ability now as that new creation to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. But also get this. And speaking of disciples, his followers taking up the cross. Not only do we do that practically in our daily lives as believers, but also literally, literally, we must be willing to suffer and die for Christ's sake and the gospel's sake if necessary. Are we willing to die literally if it came to that? Well, it's a tough question to consider. And for many of us, it's scary to consider, but I believe that if that moment were to come, God would give us grace to get through it. But yes, as as believers, we must literally be willing to endure the suffering and whatever may come, including death. Why? Because we're followers of Christ. And what did Jesus do? He died. But yes, he was resurrected. And that's good news for us. But like I pointed out earlier in in Luke 9.23, when I made mention of it, this dying has to be done daily. We have to take up our cross daily. Every day, we have to be willing to die, to be dying to ourselves. But something else I want to share with you, and this is point number five about being a disciple, is that disciples actually follow Jesus. And so we have the desire, of course, to follow him. We deny ourselves. In other words, fire ourselves as our own bosses of our own lives. We, we take up our cross on a daily basis. And then, of course, we, we follow. We're not just hearers. We are doers of the word of God. And follow means to join one as a disciple. Become or be his disciple. That's what follow means based on the Greek word behind this English word, follow. And so in being a follower of Jesus, it means that we live the way he lived while he was on earth. As he lived as the perfect human being, as the perfect man. We live the way he lived. Following him means that we take upon the same attitude. We are clothed with Christ. We put on Christ. And I shared a message, uh, I don't know, a few months ago in in relation to that. That when we put on Christ, Jesus looks good on us. 
Jesus looks good on you. If you want to compare putting on Jesus to to putting on a garment, a a nice looking garment, a shirt or jacket or whatever the case may be, putting on Jesus looks good on all of us. And so we want to live the way he lived. We want to take on the same attitude. We want to have that mind of Christ. We want to take on the views of Christ, whatever Christ's view is in anything, we want to have that view. Whatever Jesus taught, that's what we want to teach. We want to listen to his words. We want to obey his word. A, 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 fo- a follower of Christ follows in his footsteps. We follow in the footsteps of our leader. And so are we willing to go where he's gone? Are we willing to experience what he experienced? Oh, yes, he was spat on. He was ridiculed and Folks made fun of him, pretty much called him a liar, even killed him, blamed him for something he didn't do, said he said something he didn't say, twisted his words. Are we ready to go where he went? Oh, yeah, people may twist our words. People may spit on us. People may literally beat us or toss us in prison. People may literally kill us or attempt to. People, of course, will persecute us. And something, this is something that we were warned about and we were told about already. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. So are we ready to go where he's gone? If you're going to follow in his footsteps, are we ready to go there? Jesus said in, in John 12, 26, that if anyone serves me, let him follow me. But I like this part in being a follower because it says, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Speaking of God, the father. And so in following Jesus, yes, it, it may be hard. It's not going to be peaches and cream all the time. Yes, we'll be cursed at. Yes, as a group, we'll be condemned by the media or whoever else, even some politicians. Yes, we'll be made fun of. Yes, folks would want to take away our religious freedom. But in following Christ and being willing to endure the suffering because he suffered, know this about being a follower of his, that we're also going to be where he is. He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the father. And so a benefit of being a follower, a disciple of Christ is that because he lives, we're going to live too. Oh, this life on this side of heaven is going to be tough. And I don't have to tell many of you, you're experiencing life already. You're being attacked by the enemy already. You're being attacked by people already. Oh, you're suffering pains in your body already on this side of eternity. But where Jesus is, his servants are going to be. And that's great hope for us. And when the Christian speaks of hope, we're not... We're not talking about something that's uncertain. Like the world would use the word hope or I hope so. 
with that uncertainty. No, no hope for us as believers is a joyful expectation of coming good. It's a sure thing. And we have a joyful expectation of it. And so we have hope as we read verses like this. Adversity on this earth, yes. Adversity in this body, yes. But we'll spend eternity with him, with our leader. In verses 35 to 37, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Whoever desires to save or hang on to his life will lose his or her life. But lose your life for Jesus' sake, for his purpose. Lose your life for the gospel's purpose. And guess what? You'll save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What benefit will that be? Verse 37, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One translation or commentary says, what can a man offer to buy back his soul once he has lost it? It's a rhetorical question. That means we already know the answer to it. There's no price that we can think of. Our soul is super valuable, more than we know. But we get a glimpse of how valuable it is. Because God himself, God the Son, Jesus Christ, saw that our souls were so valuable that he stepped out of eternity into time, into a human body, a limited body to die for us. Oh, he thought our souls was that valuable and you can't put a price on it. You can't put a price on how precious and valuable that blood is, that blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So we get a glimpse of how valuable our soul is to God when we look at what Jesus did for us. In Matthew 16, 27, just to fill in some blanks here, it says that Jesus said the following, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And then back in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, it continues, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous or unfaithful and sinful generation of him, of that person, the son of man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father and with the holy angel speaking of his second coming. So if there's someone who has not put their faith in Christ tonight, Are you refusing to become a believer and disciple of Jesus because you will be ashamed to confess him? Because you will be ashamed to profess him or openly declare that he's your savior and Lord? Is 
Is that why you're refusing to become a believer and disciple tonight? Are you ashamed to associate yourselves with the words of Christ? No, if I become a believer, then I'll be just like those other Christians. I'll be weird like them. Is that why you are ashamed of Christ to come to him? Is that what's holding you back right now? If there's a believer listening, unbeliever listening to this. Right now, I'm, I have it so good on my job. Things are going well at school. Things are going well in my family right now. Things are going well in my relationship. I'm, I'm with the person that I want to be with right now. But if I give my life over to Christ... All the good is going to stop flowing and they're going to start making fun of me. They're going to make fun of me when I, when I take a pause and say the blessing over the meal. Or they're going to make fun of me if I say that I can't go to a certain place because I, I plan to go to church on a Wednesday or on a Sunday. There's an unbeliever listening. Are you refusing to come to him? Is that a roadblock that you're ashamed of that? And if that's what's holding you back, remember that Jesus suffered shame. He suffered shame on that cross because he was killed. He was treated as if he were a criminal. And most likely he hung naked on that cross. Nakedness uncovered, bloodied and suffering. And he hung on that cross for you, for me. But if you're a believer tonight, but lately you've been secretive about your faith. Lately, because people have been saying so many crazy things about Christians. Because lately, maybe somebody threatened the lives of Christians because... They won't go along with their agenda, their satanic agenda. So maybe you're in the closet right now. You're you're trying to be a closet Christian and, and they're speaking up for all of these different satanic causes. Or they're speaking up for all of these agendas that are unbiblical and you're there in the group, but you're too ashamed to speak up. Because you don't want to be ridiculed. Because you don't want to be the black sheep of the family or of that group. But guess what? We have the words of life. We, we have the words that Jesus shared during his time on this earth. Those words that were used to save all of those people. Through the different generations, we have those words, the, the words that save them. The gospel. Apostle Paul says that, that he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. And his gospel is power packed because it's all about a power packed God. A loving God. Who has all power in his hands. Who resurrected his son. With power that we can't even imagine. 
but we can experience. And so if you're a believer tonight and you've been ashamed lately, you've been a little secretive lately, you've been hushed mouth lately, I would encourage you to repent. Remember how much he, he loved us to the point where he sent his only begotten son. There's even a scripture in Hebrews 2.11. saw some scripture. It says, both he who sanctifies. So Jesus. Sanctified means set apart. So both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's us. Okay, so... We are sanctified positionally. We're set apart positionally. But then we're being sanctified progressively, right? We talked about that a lot. Becoming more like Jesus and less like us. Sinning less, right? So both Jesus and believers who are being sanctified, notice it says, are all of one. We're of the same family. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call us family. So why do we sometimes become ashamed of him? And so we need to think about that as believers. Well, it's not time to be ashamed. It's, it's not time to be a closet Christian. I don't even know if there's a such thing. It's not time to hide the gospel. It's, it's not time. And it's never time. We're living in the last days and, and Jesus is getting ready. I don't know when. I'm not going to put a time on it. But he's going to come back for his bride. He's going to come back for his church. And I wouldn't want to be caught being ashamed of him. I wouldn't want to be caught trying to be a secretive Christian. Laughing at Christian jokes or bad Christian jokes. So I remember I worked on a job where well, people will say inappropriate things. And every now and then I would, I would say something. And one time I did kind of react in a, in, a, in a team meeting. You know, he said something about Good Friday. This, this one guy, an atheist. It's almost Good Friday. He was like, is it really good? And he started laughing. And I remember reacting. I was like, dude, shut up. <laughs> I said that in a team meeting. <laughs> I did. I was, but, but you know what? That, that same person, he irritated me. I'm, I'm not, not even going to lie. I'm not. It, God already knows my heart. He knew. He did. But, but I started seeing, I started seeing the people on my team as, this is, this is my mission field. This is the platform God gave me. And start, I started praying for them more. I started praying for more opportunities. And guess what? That same gentleman, he would bring up Bible questions to me. He was sitting behind my cubicle. He would bring up Bible questions and I would answer them. He thought they would stump me. But, and I don't know. Maybe he was really sincere about it. But then I would answer the question and then, and then I see him turn around and slowly go back to his computer. I said, you know what? You, if you ask me the question, I'm going to talk. So keep asking me the questions. And he would do it. He, he, he would keep coming. And you know what? I really started to like him. I did. 
really started to like him. I started praying for him. I don't know if he's a believer now. I haven't worked there for four plus years. But it's not time for us to be ashamed. It's never a good time for that. We need to be light and salt because that's what Jesus said we are. Not supposed to hide light. The purpose of, of light is to light up the room. And that's our job. We're to be light in this world. We're not to allow the culture to dictate us or influence us. No, we need to be influencers of the culture. And so as we really think about this study tonight and what Jesus said and what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus, it it would appear that the life of a true disciple of Jesus is what we would call an oxymoron. An oxymoron, by the way, is a figure of speech in which you, you have these contradictory terms appearing together. Because as we look at the life of a disciple based on tonight's study, we see that in order to win at life God's way, then we must lose. In other words, we must lose to win. And indeed, that's an oxymoron, but that's similar to different areas of our lives. Because in businesses, to, for businesses to strive, for example, they must lose, so to speak. They must spend money in order to win, in order to make money. They need to spend on marketing, for example. And for the student athlete, the student athlete loses time for studying and entertainment in order to train to get better, in order to train to win. And so even the student athlete loses in order to win. And then we have students who are not student athletes. They, they lose sleep and entertainment in order to focus on their studies and, and do well to earn their diploma or their degree in order to win at that. We even see people in the military lose out on some of the comforts of the civilian life so they can get better at winning, at serving our country. And then we see that many parents make sacrifices to ensure their children have a better opportunity to win because when our kids win, we win. And so many of us as parents, we've, we had to take a lot of losses. We, we had to push away from buying some clothes or shoes that look good on us in order to make sure that our children didn't lack those things. So as parents, we we lost in order for our children, for our family to win. And and many couples have lost friends. Many, Many couples have given up bad habits, have lost bad habits for what? For the betterment of their marriage. So they can win at marriage. And spiritually speaking, when it's all said and done, you're going to see that you lost some stuff in your life. You probably already recognize that you've lost some stuff in your life already. Either you're going to realize it or you know it now. But the main thing you need to lose is yourself. Deny yourself. We need to lose 
ourselves and those of us who've recognized that we lost ourselves and we made that decision to lose ourselves, we've done it already, we notice that we've also gained much more. For if you lose your life, what you lose is what's important to you and not necessarily to God. When you lose yourself for Jesus' sake and the gospel's sake, you lose living for yourself. But you win in saving your life. In other words, you, you become all that you can be in Christ Jesus. Jesus talked about the abundant life. It is the victorious life of the Holy Spirit, enjoying all that we can enjoy in him, walking as victoriously as we can walk in him. And so really in, in losing ourselves, what we're really doing is finding ourselves. We win at that. And for the person who rejects the life he or she could have in Jesus, they must consider if holding on to their current life, they must consider if living for themselves right now and loving the things of the world is worth their soul. If you don't want to lose your life, if you want to keep living for you, you don't want to lose that and instead live for Christ and, and follow him. Ask yourself this question that was posed in tonight's study. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And what will a person give in exchange for their soul? If a person loses their soul, what will you give to get it back? How much does that cost? So we see that, yes, we, we lost some stuff in our lives, but we gain much more. We, we've lost guilt and condemnation to hell, but, but we gain citizenship in heaven. We've lost more of our image, but we win or increase in his image. We've lost our pride, but in losing our pride, we, we are winning because we have gained grace. Because the scriptures tells us that, that God gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. So in losing our lives and finding it, yes, we lost our pride, but we gained grace. We, we've lost living for a lesser purpose, but, but we win living for a greater purpose. And what is the greater purpose? It's for his glory. Yes, we may have lost the praise of men when we gave up our old lives, but we win in gaining praise from God because he approves of us. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this. It says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will, bring, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. But this is what I wanted to point out to you. Then each one's praise will come from God. And so when you lose your life, you lose a lot of the praise from men. The pats on the back from men, but you win the most important thing that is praise that comes from God. Or you may lose friendships, relationships, but you win gaining a spiritual family. And so I think Philippians 3 verses 7 through 11 sums up what being a disciple 
of Jesus Christ is. And Apostle Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted, I considered lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. In other words, he's saying that, that I count all things, I consider all things lost for the supreme value of knowing Jesus. And so all of those accolades that he have. Yes, he could brag in his flesh. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I know the law, blameless. In the law, Pharisee and all this stuff. He can brag on all those accolades. But he counted all of that loss in exchange for the supreme value of knowing Christ. And he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I I count those things as dung. I count them as manure, as rubbish. For what? That I may gain Christ. So, yes, you lose your life. You lose living for yourself, but you gain Jesus. You you gain a relationship with him. You gain that that abundant life in Christ Jesus. You you gain yourself that, that God meant for you to be all along. And he says, and be found in him in verse 9 of Philippians 3. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in in the power of his resurrection. That is that resurrection power. Oh, he surrendered himself, gave up, ruling his own life. Got off the throne of his own heart. But as a benefit of that, he can now experience that resurrection power in his life to live the way God wants him to live. And that's the same thing for us, too. But notice this. He also counted all those things lost. So he can also partake of or share in Jesus's sufferings. Remember that taking up the cross He knows what it is to take up the cross. He has suffered. The Apostle Paul has suffered and he's willing to. He's glad to share in in the sufferings of Christ. Being conformed to his death. Sharing in his death as well as the worship team comes to the stage. If by any means, he says, I may attain to or arrive at the resurrection of the dead. So, oh, he lost his life on this side of eternity. As far as living for himself, pleasing himself. But because he's a believer and a follower of Christ, he's going to attain one day to that same resurrection that Jesus experienced. And the same thing is true for us as well. That we too will arrive at the resurrection from the dead. Now, a lot of times I walk around and I have... A lot of stuff in my pockets. Sometimes I have a thing of a little tin of mints. Wallet. I have one of those daddy wallets. It's real thick, full of receipts. No cash. Chapstick. Keys, two sets of keys, one from home and one for the church. And just all kind of stuff. In my pockets. 
And so usually in my pockets, I don't have any room for anything else. And I bring that up because our, our lives are like Darrell's pockets. Just so full of junk that nothing else can, can fit in there. And so the more of us that we hold on to, the, the more of us that we try to stuff in our pockets of our lives, then guess what? The, the less space God will have to have his way in us and through us. And so we have to empty the pockets of our lives so we can see the life of God shine forth, the life of Christ shine forth from us. And, and we need to stop fighting God. So that we can have our own way. That's essentially what I'm saying. Stop fighting him. So we can have our own way. That's what many of us do. And I want my own way, God. So I'm going to say no to you. But allow him to win in our lives. Because when we allow him to win in our lives, then guess what? We truly experience winning. The true winning in our walk with the Lord. And in the ministry that he has given to us. That's when we truly win. When we stop fighting him, allow him to have his way in our lives, empty our pockets of our lives so we can experience that true winning in him. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that You'll help us to empty more of ourselves so that more of you will be evident in our lives. And so that we can truly experience that winning life in Christ Jesus and and our following Jesus and the ministry you've given to us in our marriages, in our other relationships. Lord, we need to surrender to you. Lord, maybe someone here right now, someone viewing is saying, but it's hard. I've tried for years to, to empty myself of me. And it's not working. For that person, Lord, I I pray that you would give them more grace to release whatever they're holding on to, to empty, Lord, the pocket of their lives and allow you to fill it. And help them to experience that that true winning, Lord. We pray for anyone, Lord, who is not saved, that you remove the spiritual blinders and draw them to Jesus. And I pray that you'll put it upon their hearts, Father, to... Maybe contact the church, contact another believer, and let somebody know 
that they want to receive your son. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here who are so diligent, so faithful in coming out on the Wednesday night when there's so much other things they could be doing. Thank you, Lord, for them. And thank you for their prayers and thank you for their generosity. Thank you, Lord, for the love they display to one another and to the staff here, Father. And I just pray, Father, that you would bless the remainder of their week. That you would give them that extra boldness, Lord, that that just seems to come out of nowhere, but it comes from you. So, Lord, none of us will have that moment of being ashamed of the Christ who died for us. The Christ who saved us. And so as the days get near, Lord, the day gets near for Jesus to come back for his bride. Help us, Lord, to be busy for you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.